welcome to today's episode of Confessions of a Cleaning Business Owner. Today we're going to be looking at is commercial cleaning more profitable than domestic cleaning? Uh, Diane is going to be the host slash referee, while our special guest, Jason Moss from Molo Cleaning Services, if I said that right, Jason, um, will be representing commercial cleaning. He's got experience in both domestic and commercial and has been a big supporter of the DCBM for a long time. Um, so we'll be having a debate, uh, bringing up lots of points, a friendly debate, won't we, Jason? Yeah, like I said, you kicked that off like it was going to be a roast battle, and uh, I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> Okay, so I, I am the referee, but hopefully I'm just the host rather than the referee for this session, because I'm sure it's going to be really friendly. So welcome, Jason. Would you like to start by telling our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself by way of an introduction? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name's Jason and I have a commercial cleaning business uh, based in the Midlands in Staffordshire and Stoke-on-Trent. We've been running for almost four years We've got 35 staff and um, yeah, we believe that commercial for us is certainly the way forward and we're not interested in domestics. Interesting, interesting. So obviously our topic is commercial versus domestic cleaning. Is commercial more profitable than domestic cleaning? And, you know, I've invited you on because I know that your business has done domestic cleaning, but you've really now focused on commercial cleaning. And Louise, your business is a mostly domestic, but a little bit of commercial as well. So I think you can both kind of see it from both sides and hopefully we can have a really helpful discussion for those watching and listening. So I'm going to ask you both about your different experiences. Like I said, hopefully I won't have to referee, but you know, let's, there's two types of businesses, but they're in the same industry. So I really want to try and get into the nitty gritty of whether is one better than the other. So Louise, should we start with you? What's the best thing in your opinion about the domestic side of the industry? So obviously I'm a little bit biased. I love the domestic industry. Um, but the reason I have always loved it is because for me, it was all about work-life balance and I wanted to work the nine till three and the domestic industry just works perfectly for those hours, for the entire business to just work within those hours. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of benefits in that you get appreciated, you work in lovely environments, but really as a business owner, it means that come three o'clock, I switch off, I'm stress-free. You know, the reality is even though we have teams, you are still on call at all times and I'm just not, which is lovely. So for me as a business owner, that is one of the big benefits of domestic. Perfect. So Jason, same question to you, really. What do you love about the commercial side of the industry? Well, it's it's not as hard work. Um, it's it's much more tiring to be a domestic cleaner than it is to be a commercial cleaner, and we found that out pretty early on, which is why we pivoted very very quickly into commercial cleaning. I found that that was easier for me. However, I've got to take uh, Louise's point on board there about the whole work life balancing. It is easier initially to maintain that with um, a domestic cleaning business than it is with a commercial cleaning business. Yeah, because Jason, you've got you've got a big family, haven't you? Is it 17 kids? Is that right? <laughs> close, close enough. Yeah, we, we've got six six kids at home. Um, and certainly for the first couple of years, whilst we were sort of getting developed, um, you know, we're growing the business, it was very difficult to maintain that work-life balance. Completely different now. It's you know, it's more corporate structure and um it's it's a very different story. But we do operate 365 days a year and we do not have a choice in that unless we decide to let go of some of our biggest and best clients. Okay. 
Okay. So that's probably, you know, moving on to the, the challenges for each industry in commercial. Is that one of the biggest challenges is the antisocial hours side of it? Well, it's not it's not all uh, antisocial hours. We we literally operate from 5 a.m. in the morning up until 11 p.m. at night. The majority of our money does come from outside of those hours. Um, but we, we do have quite a bit of daytime work as well. And we have a good portion of our team that work uh, full time during the day. So we have four full time members during the day. And most of the other staff are all part time working, um, you know, outside of normal business hours. So, okay. yeah, it's it's it, it, there is there is a balance and you can decide that, you know, you could do a commercial business that is completely just in business hours. However, the money is better if you're going for the stuff that's outside of normal business hours. OK, OK. Brilliant. And, and Louise, sort of the challenges in the domestic industry as compared to the commercial, what are your thoughts on that? So Jason brought up there that it is easier to do commercial cleaning. And I totally agree with him in that um, physically it's easier, I think, because you're not lugging so much kit from one place. There's a lot of energy as we go from one car to another place. Um, and I like commercial because actually if you miss a skirting board, well, you're back there tomorrow or the next day. You're not going in every two weeks. And if you make a mistake, it's not personal. Whereas I think in domestic, gosh, if you miss, you know, a table, a dining table, you hated them. And it's like, well, I didn't. I missed it. Um, I mean, you don't get to make mistakes like that. But um, I do think commercial is a little bit more forgiving for little mistakes. Um, and you can build in more of a structure. You've got more control over the environment. So I find that the domestic, you have to you have to be on the ball the whole time. It is exhausting. And yeah, it's hard work doing domestic. So I think I think we're in violent agreement there. <laughs> well, I, I think as well that we we can quite easily send in a member of staff who's perhaps, and we know we've all got them, who's perhaps not as good as another member of staff. And it will be forgiven because they're only going to be there for a day, you know, or a week or the, the temporary cover. Whereas if you send somebody in who's unfamiliar to somebody's house and they don't clean their home in the way in which they're used to having it cleaned, then like you say, you know, missing that skirting board can literally be the difference between a shouty, shouty email or, or phone call and, you know, losing a client altogether. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard in domestic managing expectations and the expectations vary so dramatically, whereas in commercial, it's a lot clearer what the expectations are. Does that make commercial more predictable? Because, you know, if you've got full time members of staff, they're presumably going to the same client every day. Is that is that how it works? Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with, with our, most of our out of hour stuff, we have dedicated individuals who are working those sites when it comes to somebody being off either the other member of staff will pick up the slack because they can go in earlier or you know finish later or we'll send in a replacement from another site and it's and it's absolutely fine most of these are two-person teams as well that are working so it, it, it does make make it easier the daytime stuff that is I suppose that can be less forgiving so that is more in line with what Louise was saying about the domestic side of things because if we've got businesses that are being serviced during business hours, they're generally speaking smaller organizations that want less amount of work. So we're back to then 
actually not been that much different from a domestic um, service where we're delivering two, three or four hours a week. Um, I know obviously there's, you know, some clients will have, you know, much bigger homes and have, you know, many more hours, but we have a lot of clients who will have just two hours um, per visit and they'll have that once or twice a week. And those are the ones that are a little bit more difficult to work with. They're not going to be as picky if you miss something, but they certainly are a lot more picky than those that were, you know, doing work with five days a week. Okay, so so hourly rates, let's talk hourly rates. So what's the average hourly rate in domestic cleaning, Louise? We've done whole podcasts on this. That's the big <laughs> question, isn't it? Okay, well, lots of 30, there you go, but no. I mean, the average hourly rate is anything between 15 up to 25 seems to be what we're on. I mean, the average would be somewhere in the middle at the moment, 20 pounds an hour. Um, I think before I move on to hourly rates, I think the one thing that I would point out is in t from my experience, the rates are very similar to commercial. So a good domestic, a big domestic cleaning business has to charge VAT. And so I charge, what is it, 25 plus VAT for our domestics and I charge 25 plus VAT for the commercials. There is no financial difference. I guess the difference comes in that the domestic customers have to pay the VAT, whereas the commercial can claim it back. So in some ways, it's easier to sell to commercial. On the other hand, they're going to get a lot more quotes. They're actually harder to win those contracts. So it swings in roundabouts. Yeah. Jason, what are your thoughts on hourly rates? Are they comparable in both? No. Um, well, certainly not in my experience around here anyway. So we have quite a bit of competition who are in the still in the 13, 14, 15 pounds an hour bracket. Um, I mean, I don't really care. We don't we don't compete on price. We compete on the service that we deliver and the value that we offer. And our price is the price. We don't do discounts. Our hourly rate is um it's set so you know we do i think it's 22.50 an hour plus vat for somebody who has just a few hours a week um and that will come down to so some of ours are still contracted in on last year's rate of 18.74 um but they're the ones that are having 30 40 hours a week so you know it's like you say it is swings in roundabouts in, in that respect but we are surrounded by a lot of competition as louise has just said who like to um, undercharge, you know, 13, 14 pounds an hour. But I think the way in which they're doing it is they don't have a fully employed workforce. So one way that people know they can save money is by having people and purposely keeping their hours low. So it keeps them below any sort of threshold for, um, you know, paying your employer tax, employee liability and all that sort of stuff and pension thresholds and things like that. And the yeah. other is there's still a lot of companies who are abusing the whole self-employed uh, route. So they're, they're giving people jobs, paying the minimum wage, but under self-employed um, guidance. So they're actually paying them £9.50 an hour and then, you know, they're not getting any holidays from that. They're not getting any benefit at all other than invoicing £9.50 per hour. And I hate to say it, but a lot of them are um, foreign individuals that they are employing that perhaps have um, poor um, English-speaking capabilities. And I think really it's a bit of a, you know, they're manipulating and exploiting them quite a bit. And we see a lot of that. Jason, do you think that happens in both domestic and commercial? Do you think that's inherent to the cleaning industry? 
Yeah, but I, th- I, th- I think with domestic, you're probably looking more at people doing that for themselves, where I'm talking about an organization that is, instead of employing people as, as they should, as is their responsibility to do so, they are just taking people on under that self-employed basis. You know, in the domestic clean, they're just going to do it for themselves, wouldn't they? And yeah. generally speaking, we know quite a few people who run the agency model, but they don't pay them minimum wage per hour. They do pay them much more than that. So it's it's frustrating that that is still a thing that exists. We we are a living wage accredited um, employer, so nobody that works for us gets less than ten pounds ninety per hour. Um, it's not a massive wage, but it's still better than what the local competition are offering. Okay, so you're saying commercial do it on larger scale? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same challenge, but mul- multiplied, isn't it? Because the bigger contracts, and yeah, you're right. It's people that don't necessarily realise they're being exploited, which is a, a challenge in the whole industry, I think. Um, okay, so we've talked about sort of the predictability of commercial cleaning versus domestic, and and the fact that perhaps customers are more forgiving in commercial. But how is it for the teams working in commercial versus domestic? Now, my limited experience of commercial cleaning. I find it a bit Groundhog Day um, in that you're, it's very repetitive. But what yeah. are your thoughts around that, Jason? How do you keep it interesting? Toilet's a toilet. None of the, <laughs> it's always going to be repetitive. I think working in teams helps. Working in teams, as long as you've got somebody to work with and you know what, you know, you know what they're doing. If, if they're in, working in sites which are quite close to each other, we tend to switch them up anyway because then you, know, you, you get away from that, um, that issue of people just becoming complacent in the workplace. So I do like to switch people around, but the reality is, is if we've got a contract that's 20 miles out, I'm not going to be sending them to any other site. They're just going to be on that side and they're going to be working together and they're going to have to find the, find their own ways to make themselves happy during, during work. We can only do as much as we can. You know, we just make sure that they've got everything they need to be able to do the job, that they're happy. And if they're not, you know, move on. I can't help it if a job is repetitive. I used to, when I was 16, I used to work in a factory, literally putting memory cards onto a line. So I know all about repetitive work. Cleaning isn't that bad in terms of repetitiveness. Yeah, I had one of my one of my teams said she just cleaned it in a different way every week. So one week she, she was going five to nights do the a week. wiping instead. Yeah. So, you know, she was just five, five nights a week. She would do it one way. And then five nights uh, the next week, she would just she would just do it in a different order. Just just the desks, just do them just slightly differently, just to keep it wiping. slightly different. I know on one that I used to do um, and, and I used to, it used to drive me crackers because there would be a coffee cup on this person's desk. I never met this person, didn't know who they were. But I found myself getting crossed with them because every night I'd go in take their coffee cup from the desk take it to the kitchen and wash it with all the rest put it in the cupboard and the next day it was back on the desk and I did and it literally I was just repeating myself and I found myself getting cross with the poor person that just left their coffee cup on the desk perfectly reasonable but that's that's sort of the sort of mental challenges isn't it of doing the job that they have to kind of come to terms with and, and manage themselves that's it the, the only thing we try to do is engage them differently so we communicate over telegram um, because I don't believe in in doing it over WhatsApp. I think we need to have an instant communication channel, uh, but I think WhatsApp is where the private conversations are, and I don't know a single person who uses Telegram for their private conversations, so um, Telegram really works for us. 
And what we tend to do is set challenges every now and again. So we might be like, go and take a selfie of, you know, yourself with, um, you know, the vacuum and, you know, a funny position or whatever. Or we might go, whoever can come up with like, like for Halloween, I think it was, we did like the best, best joke of the evening. And whoever we decided won, we gave a £10 cost voucher to. So we do, we do, we do little engagement, things like that. But in terms of actually changing the job up every day, can't really do much about that. The job's the job. Can I say there is one thing, um, a lot of people this, in this industry and many others suffer from anxiety. And I definitely find that in the domestic world, if my staff are not knowing the houses they're going to, they're not familiar with where they're going, particularly if they're new, they do suffer a little bit from anxiety. Whereas in the commercial setting, because you're going to the same place, same place, same place, you don't have quite the anxiety levels. Although if it goes a little bit wrong and you're not getting on with someone, I guess then it's going to swing back round again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we get the same thing though with the, the daytime staff who have to go and cover different sites. You know, if it's the first time they've ever been to the site, they're always a little bit apprehensive. We like, don't even know where the cleaning cupboard is because we don't we don't carry kit. All the kit is on site at every single job. And I suppose that's when, when we talk about profitability, that's one of the biggest um saps of your profit is that in every single contract um we set up anyway i'm not I'm, I'm not speaking for every commercial cleaning business owner out there but i find it easy if we fully kit out that site from from the start i will put 12 months worth of stock into that site um and literally kit it out with everything it needs so that all my staff need to do is turn up with a workshop on and do their job that's 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 all i want for them and it's, it's a big outlay this is what we found. So I nipped into our commercial last night and um, the sinks had coffee stains on them. I was like, why haven't you cleaned this? Oh, I've run out of cream cleaner, Louise. I was like, has no one told me? Whereas in domestic, they come back to the office every day. I can yeah, check their kits. You, you have more control as a business owner. So the only way I counter that for us, bear with me one second, I'll grab it. Not sure this works on podcast when someone walks off screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, on our on our on our wall our wall sheet at the bottom we have QR codes, and one of them is for a monthly site stock survey. So they fill that in with whatever they've got left every single month, um, and the other one is for all the SDS and cost information. Um, so straight away we know exactly what sites need what stock, and we know it every single month, so we can we can work out what their usage rates are. And let's it's say a, if they go normal for even for commercial though, is it you have gone above and beyond? Like this is not what's nicely systemized. Is. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's the way it works, though. I mean, yeah. if if what we can also identify from that is if they're using too much stock. So if if they're going through too much of the uh, disinfectant or the floor gel or whatever, we can be like, uh, right, let's come on site and see what see what you're doing. And just just you know, go for a normal evening, fill your let's bottles. See how sticky the floors are here. <laughs> that's it yeah def definitely um but but you, you're dead right louise in that what you're talking about there with the sinks we've got a commercial site ourselves which has the same issue where it looks like it's tea stained every single day and nobody's told me they're going in they're cleaning it and it's clean but this stuff is permeated into into the actual um into the actual workshop the only thing that's going to get it off is quite a strong acid and Obviously, they can't go pouring toilet cleaner around everywhere to try and clean it. So what they do is they clean it as they're supposed to clean it, as they're trained to clean it. And that is with their surface, their multi-surface, their disinfectant. But it still doesn't look great. But but they're not always, because they're not like your domestic uh, staff who will be looking to make sure that everything looks absolutely spotless. They're just making sure the surface is clean. They're not actually as focused on, have I got the stain out? You know, it's it, 
turns out it's not a stain, but they're, you know, then they're, they're not really giving it that same level of detail. So training for commercial staff, I think is a lot different as well to your domestic staff. You're training to a much higher standard than what we would be doing. And actually, I use that as a selling point when I'm selling office cleaning, actually, is I'll say we'll bring domestic standards to your office to you. cleaning. So right, I'm writing down that timeline now. That's when you uh, <laughs> because you it, 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 it is different. It is different. You're right. right. Yeah. So so Louise, you know, we were talking there about, you know, standards and things like that. So is that harder to manage in a domestic environment, bearing in mind our clients are not going to be as forgiving? Yes, it's hard because if you think, you know, 30 staff, if you look how many uh, different houses we've got to cover and check 30 staff on compared to 30 staff in commercial, you know, I've got hundreds of houses, whereas he's only got to check over, you know, no more than 50 sites. I don't know how many sites you have, but you know, it's a lot less. And so for me to have a good quality system, we've got to have a quality system for not just the staff, but over a much larger number of sites and customers. So uh, the quality system has to be more complex. And also the difference with domestic, when we build our quality systems, it's subjective. So I can't judge them against a perfect clean. They've got to be judged against that clean when it started, which is dramatically different to actually, this is the expectation of the property, you know, and it will be perfect every time by the time you finish. So it the variability in domestic means that there has to be a lot more robust quality system I think which makes it harder it's harder to manage I think and it's harder to train and it's harder to maintain the quality yeah so so you you mentioned there about costs on on the sites Jason and, and I know when when we've taken on contracts where it's been three hours a, a week it's kind of like I really don't want to leave a whole kit there so you've always had to build that into the pricing really that if you're going to have to leave a full cleaning kit for three hours a week, whereas normally that cleaning kit would be doing 20 hours a week. Um, how do you factor that into your costs? Well, I'm glad we got to this. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, well, I think I think it's a really good point because I think there, there aren't many um, business owners, cleaning business owners out there. And um, I'm saying this with um, all, all due respect, but I think you see it a lot in domestic cleaning. You do see it in commercial cleaning as well, but there aren't that many that actually think about the profit first. I genuinely do not believe that there are that that many people that actually go out there and go, the profit I want to take from this job is this and, the, and calculate it like that. They don't they don't do that. And that is 100 percent where where we start. So for, for any job, um, if it's just a, an hourly contract, I know I want four pounds per hour minimum profit out of that job. So I don't even start my pricing until I've gone right four pounds per hour. Now I've got my staff cost times by 130%. Now I've got a base rate, but then on top of that now, I need to work out what my material usage is going to be. So I kind of work backwards from, from that point. And I don't think enough people do that. I think a lot of people who own a business, again, with all, with all due respect, they own a job because they're not necessarily doing that. And they're getting confused between what's profit and what's a wage for them in, in running their business. And they need to separate the two and go, you know what, I wanna be paid 35,000 pounds a year for doing my job as a business owner. But on top of that, my business needs to make profit and that's gonna be an extra you know, seven, 14,000, whatever it is they decide their profit margins are going to be. Yeah, completely agree. And actually, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, literally on that. And, and Louise asked me the question, how do you set your price? Decide how much you want to make. 
then how much is it going to cost you? And it, you, you combine the two and that's your price. Yeah. What's the, you've both read Profit First. What do they call it when somebody is someone, an operative having an entrepreneurial like seizure or something? <laughs> is it that, what's the word they have? I don't know. I think, is that the, I think the e-myth that they talk about an entrepreneurial seizure in the e-myth and it's, yeah, yeah basically yeah. where somebody has this mad moment like we've all had in the past where I'm going to be a business owner, I'm going to start a business, but actually a lot of them just buy themselves a job, don't they? And that's, that's the Which difference. Which I think is okay in the beginning. And yeah. you know what, by the time they come through to an organisation such as the DCBN, that's, that's where their, their, um, their mindset start, starts to shift and they start thinking, well, actually, you know what, I do do this and that and the other, and maybe I'm not being fairly compensated for the amount of work I'm doing. And you, you kind of see it with people who, aren't that registered and they've got staff and you literally see the sweat pouring off the face when you're talking to them about things like this and it's like actually that that they're trying to um charge what they think the customer wants to pay and it's that's not really the way in which it should work and I'm not being funny, but if something's if I'm making a pound or two pound an hour, we we recently looked to taking on a school contract and they were paying eleven pound fifty an hour to the previous contractor and i was like i can tell you now we're not going to be anywhere near that uh, and we ended up being so far beyond where they were at that they, they didn't they didn't even consider the quote and i was happy with that because i didn't want to own a headache for the sake of two pounds an hour for even for 11 hours a day because that's still like what 22 22 pounds a day I, I don't want it if one person goes off on sick right and they qualify for ssp that's your profit gone straight away. So what, what's the point? It's got to be worth it. It's got to, got to get that profit first. Yeah. And so I suppose really that's common in both in both sides of the industry, isn't it? Commercial versus domestic. You have to be a business owner first and kind of have that mindset. And wherever you're at, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, that's probably our biggest advice to the industry, isn't it? Is to think about your profit as your main number in the business, because there's no point otherwise, is there? If you're I, not I thinking think, about it now, get your base price and then go, right, now I want the profit on top of it. And that's your new price. Go for it. I, I think that's a lot it. of people, so, and this is where it blends from domestic to commercial. I think a lot of people start off in domestic being the operative. And as they get better and they become in their mind business owners, they go, well, if I want to be more professional, I'm going to run a business. They assume that they have to go into commercial rather than assume actually you can do the equivalent in domestic. Um, it's not done as much. People do tend to prefer to grow their businesses in commercial, but it's perfectly possible to do it in domestic. And I think it is the mindset of being a business owner. that They sort of assume they're going to go into commercial. Yeah. And I think sometimes they'll take the challenges they had in domestic. They'll just take them with them. So it, it's yeah. Whereas Jason, you probably could have kept running a domestic business, more of a headache, but you could have kept doing it and run it as domestic. And, and an easy option. Happy. I took, I took the easier option. Now, it obviously, it comes with sacrifice, and that sacrifice comes back to what we were saying at the beginning, and that is the whole work-life balance thing. I don't have that issue now because now I literally pick and choose when I'm coming to to the office, or whether or not I'm going to go and join somebody on the clean, or you know, I, I don't. I'm not tied to any of my contracts at all. We have a manager; the manager deals with that. Obviously, when the manager goes off, I have myself or my brother who's my business partner, you know, one of us will step in and, and, and do her role for us. But ultimately, you know, we made that decision to run it this way and it works for us. And we had to take, um, again, a big chunk of profit, really, to put into paying a manager to go and do 
Kerja. Um, this is the same. We've just done exactly the same in our company, whacked in a manager, but that's a growth thing, not a sector yeah. of the industry, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. 100%. I agree. And I think there's that it's that balance. Do you want to make more money or do you want to have more more life? Um, and yeah, I'm always going to choose think, the work-life balance, I think. But I think as well, when, when you grow it to the point where you can, you know, bring in a manager, it, it opens your mind up to other possibilities. It's not just about stepping back and going, that's it, life O'Reilly for me. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take it nice and easy now. It's it's not like that at all. I think that once you once you take business really, really seriously and you've looked at systems and processes and you've put people in and all the cogs are turning, everything's working the way you want, you want more. You don't necessarily want more of the same thing. And I think that's, for me, one of the best things about commercial is that it allows you to network with so many different people and organizations that it gives you so many more opportunities to expand into, into different areas, different services, services that um, directly relate to what we're doing, services that don't, but they complement it. So, you know, I think it, it, to go in commercially does offer you that, that broader range of uh, expansion but it is definitely the easier option. But you have more um, accountability, more responsibility, more liability when you start growing um, a, a big commercial business because you're not just looking after people's homes, you're looking after multi-million pound businesses um, and their properties. And you know, if, if you leave um, one of their businesses unlocked and they get robbed and they've got 10 million pounds worth of stock, you may as well just shut the door right there and then because you're not recovering from that it's not may as well you will be yeah 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 100 yeah. and say goodbye to your house while you're at it unless you're a limited company exactly that's and that's the beauty of it you don't you don't often grow to any sort of you know decent size without going limited you go limited and you've got that protection haven't you yeah. but you can do that domestic as well same thing so why is the perception then? So we've talked about hourly rates, we've talked about costs. So, so why is the perception that commercial is more profitable than domestic if the hourly rates are similar and the costs are actually potentially similar as well? Why is the perception in the industry that commercial is the, you know, the silver bullet, shall we say, for, um, you know, a business owner? I think it depends on how you define profit, doesn't it? Because to me, it, it's not just about the the, the monetary value, it's it's the, the less the less work part of it the fact that i've got less customers the fact that you're bringing in more money at once i think that's where that perception comes in that you can charge more also the unsociable hours people naturally think because it's unsociable hours you can charge much more money and i will be honest you can charge more but it's not always the case because actually these people that want the unsociable hours so we've got one of our the breweries that that is one of our customers, right? They are worth about 80,000 a year as, as a contract. So we look after three of their pubs, 365 days a year. And they want volume. So to have volume, they want lower rates. And we're, they're already paying us 20% more than what they were paying their previous company. But it's still not at the 20 to 25 pound plus fat an hour. That's still sub that, that price because they're buying in volume. So I think people, I, th I think they're a little bit... Um, naive i suppose to what can really be charged i think facilities management companies they can charge a lot more because they're delivering a, a different kind of service but if just cleaning you're not getting 25 30 pounds an hour uh, like people think you're getting for you know these massive contracts it just doesn't work 
Yeah, you probably get those for a three hours a week office clean because there's no competition for those. But that's yeah, it. if you're competing at 30 hours a week, you've got to you've got to compete. That's that's how many, how many people want that? Because, you know, when you start invoicing people for three and a half, four thousand pounds a month, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who want a lot of companies that want yeah. that kind of money because it's yeah. it's instant, fast growth. One contract for, you know, that's that's three and a half thousand pounds a month coming into my bank is 40 grand a year added to the turnover just just like that and that's why they want it because it, it makes your business look much bigger than it is so actually the margins the more you grow the margins get smaller so we you know we've brought in that manager which has then shrunk our profit margin which is acceptable because yeah. we want to grow more so you know you have to make constant sacrifice to be able to do it can i bring up and you might be about to bring this up diane the other thing that i think is easier in commercial than domestic recruitment um, maybe because they've got so many different jobs and they're in different areas and you can have a bit more flexibility on hours, whereas I'm very stuck. It is nine till three, you know, lovely job if you want it, but you know, I haven't got a lot of flexibility. Mind you, in domestic, you can have lots of flexibility. I choose not to have it. Um, but I do think commercials, bigger range of hours gives them a bit more flexibility on recruitment. What's your thoughts, Jason? Put them down. It's, I think re recruitment, yes, it, it can be easy because I don't have to be as specific as you do to fill a position. We've got people from all sorts of backgrounds, um, from, you know, um, yeah, English people, British people. Facing. No, that's that's it. That you know, they're not to uh, foreign people who perhaps don't speak a lot of English. To um, special needs individuals who are also very capable. You know, we, we can be, and I know every company can be in in some sense, but we we can truly be open to anybody coming on board and and taking a job. Obviously, you know, we want to make sure that they aren't you know some sort of serial killer. But we're, you know, we're we're very open, and we we have a lower um, standard, I guess a lower barrier to entry whereas because your job is so physically demanding um, you're looking for people that already have that drive they're relatively healthy and i don't mean that in any any wrong way but they've got it they've got to be the domestic cleaning is a really hard job um and if you're not physically fit then you, you definitely can't do it but i think you also get people who will possibly once they've got past that initial induction and they've they've decided whether they like it or not they will then stay in your job for longer than they will with ours. We will often attract people who are going through divorce or house sales, or they want to buy a house or they want to get married. And they're doing this as a second secondary income because we can offer them five days a week, two hours a day in the morning before they even go and do their nine till five. So it attracts, again, different kind of people. And I think a lot of um, our staff will almost, a lot of the staff that aren't full time will use us to just to, meet their savings goals really or their their temporary um, problems with the recent energy price increases and things like that going on at the moment every job we've had about 60 applicants for it's it's been absolutely insane and 90 percent are still absolute you know no goes because they're they're just doing it for the sake of ticking a box um you know the ones who don't answer the phone or don't answer a message so we put in a lot of um hurdles for them to jump over now so to make recruitment much easier but it is easy to recruit for uh commercial but it's not as easy to keep them because we're generally finding a lot of people who are just looking for a temporary solution to their financial problem yeah i suppose that's, that's a benefit of commercial cleaning though isn't it is it can be done as a second job 
Um, whereas actually, you know, domestic cleaning is so physically hard. It's kind of your, your job, isn't it? It's it's harder to fit that in I around that you. job. I don't envy a domestic cleaner at all. They've got such a hard job and there's so much stigma around the industry, particularly with domestic cleaning as well. And I know that you've been doing a lot of work to fight that over the, over the last few years in particular, but it's so frustrating that it is sort of where it's at and where it's always been at with people just thinking, oh, they're a cleaner, you know, why can you charge this amount of money or you should be paid minimum wage? Actually, most domestic cleaners work harder than you know work as hard as any groundsman i've ever seen working and yeah. you know and, and probably actually work for longer without stopping for a coffee in a fag you know that's you see a groundsman they're stopping every, every 10 minutes they're stopping well okay Do you know i i've got so much respect because like i've said we work nine till three so we have predominantly mums so these people get up at six in the morning get yeah. their kids ready get them dressed have the fight do the homework you know to do their hair that's a fight get them to school they'll walk them to school then they'll come to work then they'll work solidly a five six hour cleaning day and it's straight to school pickup straight to dinner yeah. and you just go it's relentless yeah. um and yeah so they're really working 12 hours a day more than that <laughs> if they're lucky yeah 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 so, so. okay so we haven't had much of a fight between commercial and domestic here really because it seems like actually a lot of the challenges are very similar and where they're different they're just different not better or or anything so you know is commercial then i don't think it is more profitable than is the, is our conclusion would that would that be fair to say i think it's easier to scale and yeah. and cleaning is all about scalability and J jason's like look at me like yes <laughs> like i agree oh, literally where i was going just <laughs> just about to say that so yeah. i i do think it's easier to scale i saying that Obviously, we are living proof that you can scale domestic in exactly the same way. But as Jason's pointed out, it's easier to scale. And I think, you know, you do not see million pound domestic cleaning businesses, whereas how many commercial million pound plus, yeah. you know, multi-millions, it's clear that it is easier to scale past a certain point. And not only is it easier to scale, of course, it's, that makes it easier to sell because you have contracts in commercial that are enforceable. Um, and yeah so so Jason gone you, you you tell us what you were going to say about the easier to scale of it that that was literally it it was um I don't think there's that much difference between the margins I think the bigger you get as a commercial business the um the, the bigger the expenses are and I don't mean the bigger they are because you know you're a bigger company I mean they they do and will start eating into your margins which is ultimately where I think the bigger ones then move into facilities management because then they can charge more and and, and they and they turn into a completely different beast altogether um, so I do completely agree that a commercial cleaning business is so much easier to scale than a domestic cleaning business because I can add one customer to our business and it can make the difference of um, you know twenty to fifty thousand pounds, let's say, for us. Whereas for yourselves to do that, it, yeah, it, it can it can. And don't get me wrong, I know you've got you know there are some domestic um, domestic customers which have you know phenomenal amounts of um, hours each week because they've got big homes. But it's easier to come by those as commercial than it is as domestic because there won't be as many. Um, there there are more businesses looking for that service already. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Louise, any final thoughts on why um, you st are sticking mostly with domestic cleaning? Um, so I I guess my final thoughts are I sort of view this as as um, 
what do you call it, like a spectrum almost. And what you see is a lot of people transition along the journey. So you see a lot of people that enter the market into domestic, then they grow a decent side domestic, then they put commercial on long side, and they might dabble in a bit of domestic commercial uh, holiday lets, you know, they'll dabble in all of it, and then they decide where they want to go. Um, and I think what's lovely is everyone's got the option to go in any direction they want to and specialize. Um, I think the one thing I would say to anybody that wants to grow a decent business is do specialize. So if you are going to go down the domestic route, be the very best domestic. And, and, you know, that's what we've chosen. We will go down this route and, you know, it's perfectly possible to be successful. Jason's obviously choosing commercial. We've got others that choose holiday lets. I think it's possible in any. Yeah, it's just all about the evolution of a business owner, really, isn't it, as to where you take your business. But the fundamentals have to be in place, regardless yeah. of hourly rates. And actually, it just has to be there. A good business owner, if you took a good business owner, and I think Jason and I have talked about it, you could probably walk into mine and run it because you'd pick up the manual and you'd run it. And we'd walk, I'd walk into yours and go, well, I could run this if you had a good manual, a good team around you. And actually, it's about the skills of the business owner, because actually, yes, we have different sets of problems, slightly different, but fundamentally, they're going to be very similar. And I know when I've talked to Jason about his scheduling, it, it's not dramatically different to ours. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Jason, before we close? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it comes back to what you were saying earlier, Diane, is that when, when people reach that point where they may they may pivot or change, they, they often take those problems um, with them into where, wherever they're going to next. And that's why you see them struggling or reverting or, you know, I've, I've seen so many like in the carpet cleaning industry, I've seen quite a few people who have gone VAT registered and then unregistered from VAT because they got scared because the first VAT bill killed them. And it's because they weren't prepared for it and they weren't prepared for the, for the challenges of scale. And so they've come back. And I think what we're seeing a lot of at the moment, particularly in the domestic cleaning industry, is glamorization of um, domestic services. And I'm not talking about your everyday domestic services. We're talking about people who are going out there um, like pop stars trying to get people to uh, niche into different areas alongside you know the business that they've actually put all poured their heart and soul into all just to go and make a couple of thousand pounds on one or two jobs which they may or may not get and I think that's the biggest frustration for me at the moment is that is that you see so many people looking for those quick fixes and the reality is is that there's only going to be a few a select few that can actually get through those barriers and go into that area and, you know, take it on. Look at mold remediation for one. There's so many people that have done training for that recently and they go into a customer's home and go, oh yeah, it's a, it's a 500 pound mold job. That is, it's not because it's not a mold re remediation job. It's they've got too much moisture in their property um, because they're not ventilating it properly. They, they need a bit of off over the counter stuff to take care of the, the problem. And then it'll probably never come back as long as they ventilate it. But because they're being almost brainwashed into thinking you've you've got to go out there and charge you know ten thousand pounds for doing this job, they're looking for those um, those shortcuts to business success, and I don't think it's working. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of people going, "I've wasted money and I've wasted time and I've ruined my business because I haven't focused on what I'm good at, and that is the business that I created, that I was passionate about, and that I put my heart and soul into." Yeah, com completely agree. Just build a stronger business. That's the only quick fix. Or well, it's the only build solution. A business that runs itself. Quick. Yeah, build a business that works without you. 
100%. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for not making me referee and actually for it being a really um, interesting, hopefully an interesting, but also a, a nice, friendly conversation as well. And yeah, there's not a lot that we, we differ on, really, because we're business owners fundamentally, aren't we? Regardless of industry. We are indeed. And I like Jason. It's hard to argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks all. Thank you. Bye.